Welcome back to another episode of the Generational Curse Breakers podcast. As always, I'm your host, Texas Young, and I'm so thankful that you decided to tune in to this episode today. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. If you, uh, if you don't know me, or you do know me, one thing you may not know <clears throat> is that I am a war history buff. All right, um, that doesn't mean that I know a lot about it, but it means I'm extremely interested in learning about past wars and war history, military history. I really like it, and if you did not know, today, December 7th, back in 1941, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, was bombed by the Japanese which sort of was the beginning of America going into World War II. Um, famously, um, it was one of the main causes America went into World War II, and we kind of went in and kicked butt, you know, beat Germany. All the Axis powers were kind of overpowered, you know. America's strong. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of our military history. But uh, we have a little bit of a treat today. Not talking about World War II, but we will talk a little bit about World War I. But first, um, hey guys, it's great to be back recording for this podcast again. Uh, It's holiday time. Schedules are crazy, but hey, I'm so glad that I have this moment. Um, Let me just say, it's so nice to just get out of the shower, come up here, chill out after working, and grab some coffee and just put some thoughts on some, uh, well, not paper, but my iPad notes, and just let you guys know what I'm thinking about right now. And this week, right now, I'm thinking about the prayer song of the week. And this one is probably one of my favorites. It is Stones by POA Worship. That's Pentecostals of Alexandria. They're a really famous church. They host because of the times every year. And they have a YouTube channel, and you can go listen to their praise and worship music. Um, They post it like every week. So, But this was one of the songs... It's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. Go listen to it. You'll enjoy it. Um, But this is the Generational Curse Breakers podcast. And you're listening, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. But as always, TV is dead. Radio is repetitive. Podcasting is now. It's information on demand from my mouth to your ear. And Christmas is just around the corner. Um, Politics, all that jazz is going on right now. And we've got to deal with it. Um, But there is a hope on the horizon. There is a hope that is waiting for us and a hope we can cling on to right now. And that is Jesus. Because God is speaking right now. He is moving. He is coming. And generational curses are breaking This is the Generational Curse Breakers Podcast. 
where God breaks the curse and we slap a return postage stamp on that puppy back to where it came from. And like I said many times already, I'm so thankful that you're tuning in once again to another episode. Like I said, this week we're going to be talking about a little bit of military history, specifically the Christmas truce or unofficial Christmas truce of 1914 and this article I'm about to read you is a first-hand account of a soldier named Henry Williamson who was there on the battlefield in the trenches experiencing this firsthand who years later published this article in a local newsletter that went public went viral or as viral as it can get back in um, like 1937 but um, and the title of this is they saw the same star rising and I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit of it and start reading right here and it says geese are fighting overhead as I write this sitting in the granary of my Norfolk farm overhead the worm-eaten stairs my little children sleep on a heap of Saxon rugs they are warm and snug they dream of Christmas the cries of the wild geese bring sharply before me a bare and frozen wood of Flanders, charcoal braziers, bearded men in woolen balaclava helmets, rifles piled, starlights, and wood smoke. For weeks we had lived in flooded trenches. The Germans were 80 yards away. Our trench was enfiladed. We lost many men shot by snipers. Night after night, since the tailing off of the Battle of Ypres, we had toiled on the parapets, filling sandbags with clayey mud, squelched through the muddy lagoons of woodland tracks, carrying rations, duckboards, pumps, and ammunition. We were volunteers, rushed out to help General French's shattered expeditionary force. A few weeks before, we had been schoolboys, bank clerks, undergraduates, and medical students. Now our lives are ravaged. Some of us the young ones who thought of their mothers were near to despair. We were without hope, without horizon. At first trench, um, at first trench life had been interesting, even enjoyable. It was fun cooking our own baking and making tea in the wood while shrapnel cracked overhead. Good sport, stalking the wild geese in the marshes, satisfying to feel the soft hairs of our unshaven chins. The regulars were decent chaps heroes of Mons. But the rains fell, and the trenches filled almost waist-high. After a few days, we could scarcely move our legs, nor did we seem to need food. At night, we dragged ourselves out of the ditches and moved about, uncaring of bullets aimed at random in the dark. All night we worked, carrying parties, pumping fatigues, parapet building. At dawn, we slid into water again and set ourselves to endure the gray daylight. Even now, so long afterwards, when I hear the rain on the tile overhead, the ghost of that time makes me draw the blankets closer around my neck. On Christmas Eve in 1914, we were in the support line about 200 yards inside Plug Street Wood. It was freezing. Our overcoats were stiff as boards. Our boots were too hard to remove, but we, re we rejoiced. The mud was hard, too. Also... Happy thought we would be able to sleep that night inside a new blockhouse of oak boughs and sandbags called Piccadilly Hotel 
no bed but the cold earth, no blankets even but sleep. Then came a message from Brigade, he Brigade Headquarters, brought, I think, by 2nd Lieutenant Bruce Bain's father of the Warwicks. Wiring parties were acquired in no man's land all night. There would be a moon. We would have to work only 50 yards from the German machine guns in the White House opposite the eastern edge of the wood. Two hours later, we, were f we filed out of the dark trees into the naked moonlit terror of no man's land, holding shovel shovels beside our faces in hope of protection against the expected mort blast. The moon was high and white among the frozen cloudlets. We were visible. Someone slipped with a clank of spade or rifle. We flung ourselves on our faces. We waited. The battlefield was silent as the moon. For an hour we worked in silence in the most mysterious soundlessness. What had happened? We began to talk naturally as we drove in stakes and pulled out concertinas of prepared wine. There was no rifle fire either up or down the line. From way up north beyond Wypress to south beyond Armentarius, I think, sorry, and the French army. At midnight, we heard laughing as we worked. We heard singing from the German lines, carols of tunes of which we knew. I noticed a very bright light on a tall pole raised in their lines, down opposite the East Lanks Trench. In front of the convent, a Christmas tree with lighted candles was set on their paraffin. The unreal moonlight life went on happily. Cries of, come over, Tommy, we won't fire at you. A dark figure approached me hesitatingly, a trap. I walked towards it with a bumping heart. Merry Christmas, English friend. And we shook hands tremulously. Then I saw the light on the pole was the morning star, the star in the east. It was Christmas morning. All Christmas Day, gray and khaki figures mingled and talked in no man's land. Picks and spades rang in the hard ground. It was strange to stare at the dead. We had only glimpsed swiftly from the trenches. The shallowest graves were dug, filled, and set with crosses knocked together from the links of ration box wood marked with an edible pencil for king and country, for Vaterland und Freiheit. Fatherland and freedom. Freedom, how was this? We were fighting for freedom. Our cause was just. We were defending Bel Belgium, civilization. These fellows in gray were good fellows. They were strangely just like ourselves. How can we lose the war, English comrade? Our cause is just. We are ringed with enemies. The war was thrust on us. We are defending our parents, our homes, our German soil. And most shaking, staggering thought that both sides... They were fighting for the same cause. The war was a terrible mistake. People at home did not know this. Then the idea came to the young and callow soldier that if only he could tell them all at home what was really happening. And if the German soldiers told their people the truth about us, the war would be over. But he hardly dared to think even to himself. The next day was quiet and the next, waving hands from trenches by day, singing and reflected blaze of trench bonfires at night. It was a lovely time. On the third afternoon came a message from the Germans. At midnight, our staff officers visit, and we must fire our automatic pistolen. But we will fire high. Nevertheless, please keep undercover. 
At 11 p.m. Berlin midnight, we saw the flashes going away into the air. Two days later, an army order came from GHQ to the effect that men found fraternizing with the enemy would be court-martialed and if found guilty would suffer the death penalty. And again, in that place, the very light soared over no man's land at night and bullets cut showers of splinters from the trees and sometimes human flesh and bone. So hope sank again into the mud, but did not die. Despite a withering, anew each poor human unit fell in a machine gun mort blast and colossal reverberating rending of the shells of those four years, the years whose truth seems to be incommunicable. Sometimes as one listens to what people say here in England, a generation died for. It seems almost like pre-war again. Can it be that we lack imagination to see the other fellow as ourselves? These geese cries, they pass high under the moon, flying for the marshes. My little children stir in their sleep, and the morning star of hope of the wise men in the story is rising again. So, um, this is a pretty heavy piece. It's a pretty heavy um, topic, if you will. But I believe, if applied, there are some things that we can apply to our time today. Um, understand this, that every single person that is living or created belongs to God. We are not viewed as property, but living vessels that God willingly made. He willingly breathed his breath into us to watch over the world and rule over the world that he created. God willingly put choice inside of us to choose the world or him. And yes, this world we live in is corrupted and cruel, but it is humanity who has misplaced God's destiny. Um, if you read in Matthew 21, starting in verse 12, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overflew, overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You see, the temple was originally built for Israel to have a dwelling place and for God to have a dwelling place among them. Moving on to more scripture, if you read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, the king being David, <laughs> and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. You see, people corrupt things. Our flesh corrupts things. It, it's what happens. It's a natural process of the flesh. It gets corrupted and is corrupted flesh when we die does nothing but decay and turn back into the dirt and dust that God made us out of 
That is the hope of our flesh, is to just one day return to its state, belonging to the earth. But God, when he breathed in us, he put in us his life. He put in us his spirit, something that doesn't long for this world. People corrupted God's original form of government, which was judges that would serve under God and judge the people of Israel. And the people wanted a king to be just like the rest of the world. But when God, he was the one that was supposed to be the king. If we look now, the temple was originally built for God to have a dwelling place where he didn't have to walk around anymore in curtains and stay mobile with the people of Israel, that there could be a place where you could go and find him, where he would always be able to dwell. And what happened was in in Luke, like we read the den of thieves, it was Matthew when we read the den of thieves, that Jesus saw what they were doing in the temple, saw that they were corrupting his place of worship, and he went in and overthrew it. He, he you know, he, <laughs> he kind of went crazy in there, um, and he returned it to what it originally should have been, which is a place where the blind and the lame can come and be healed, the broken and the hurting can come to be healed. Something we can glean from what we read today, that little excerpt that I hope you enjoyed that I thought was pretty captivating and entertaining um, and it's kind of Christmas related because Christmas is right around the corner um, but you know do we have enough imagination for just a moment to look outside of our apostolic box and notice that these people that are standing up for the LGBT movement, that are standing up for the Black Lives Matter movement, that are rioting, that are causing such a big fuss about everything, that these people, if we would have just a moment's worth of imagination to realize that they're human just like us, and if it had not been for God, we could be just like they are, lost and wandering, trying to find a cause that they can fit in and get behind. People have built kingdoms around their beliefs. And while we don't agree with their beliefs and don't have to agree with their beliefs, we just for a second need to realize that they do it for a reason. It's not an excuse because sin is sin. And sin will send us to hell if we're not careful. You, me, everyone. And these people, they do and believe how they believe for a reason. Whether it's how mom and dad raised them, how they did it. Or it's a way that to be accepted. Or even it's all they know. But here at the on the Generational Curse Breakers podcast, we know the answer. When God come in our lives he broke the curses off of us as brother Nears spoke about in our last episode and if you haven't listened to that please go listen to that 
He broke all our curses off of us. And now we live in a curse-free life, but we have to deal with the grave clothes as he spoke about with Lazarus. And like I said, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go listen to that episode. It's incredible. But in this time of hope, in this time of Christmas, because it is only like 15 days, not 15 days, my bad, sorry. Uh, 18 days till Christmas as of now. Um, you know, this is a time people say, focus on family, focus on loving people, focus on hope. Focus on having enough imagination to realize that the people in this world that are running these, you know, crazy loose cannon causes teens that are just, you know, everyone, we just, we know what's going on. We don't have to openly discuss it, but just take a moment and realize that when you see someone doing something that you don't believe in, think for a second back to that story, how he, he realized that the Germans were fighting for their homeland just as he was fighting for his homeland, you know, because it's what they know. It's what they were raised around. And sometimes God just has to deal with that because that's part of their upbringing. And God has to deal with that. And we just have to have enough love and hope for them. Um, You know, not to be mixed in with their sin, not to be accepting of their sin, but to dwell peaceably with them and to, to let them know in a respectful, understanding way that God is better than what they are trying to seek and support. I mean, how can they hear unless we tell them? And we need to be a voice. Um, hopefully this episode wasn't too intense, but you and me... God's going to do something through our lives, through your life, through my life. And I want to see it come to pass. And I know it's going to take me having compassion on everyone around me, just as Jesus did. And having compassion for myself and my family and my loved ones. And even the people that I don't really necessarily like, I still have to love them and understand that they're human just like me and that they need Jesus. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one. It's been good.